Recovery from Anything features real stories that some listeners might find distressing. Check the show notes for specific content warnings and information on support services. I, I drive home, I remember it, and I go up to my bedroom and my parents would be downstairs and I'd be upstairs and take an ecstasy. I used to lie in bed and like the fact that I was on my own, no one to have to talk to, no one to have to interact with. I felt like relaxed. It's just complete self-medication. Completely. Just to feel good. Not feeling anxious. Not feeling like I hate myself. Welcome to Recovery From Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. In April 2022... After undergoing a six-week mental health assessment that literally kicked my emotional ass, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known more commonly these days as EUPD, Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder. I'd had doctors briefly theorise that I'd had this condition in the past, once when I was a teenager and once later in life when I had a delightful stay at Casa de la Psych Ward But finally, at the age of 34, I received my official diagnosis. I'd always known there were many factors as to why I had substance abuse issues. I struggled with depression, low self-esteem and had childhood trauma. But when I got my EUPD diagnosis, everything made so much sense. I was self-medicating a disorder I didn't even know I had. Drinking and drugging helped me cope with the emotional distress I experienced on a daily basis. By getting absolutely wasted, I was self-soothing and temporarily alleviating myself from intense feelings. This week's storyteller also went through life with an undiagnosed condition and, like me, used drugs and alcohol to relieve himself of his symptoms. Here's Luke Bayliss. It all kind of started at school, really. I was quite overweight when I was younger, and I got bullied quite badly. And all the kids, you know, used to take the mick out of the way because I was quite a big lad, short and socky. And I was quite, I was like a class clown. I tried to, like, impress people by... A bit like validation, really. I was like, oh, people don't really like me. I feel that I don't like how I look in the mirror. So I'll try and make people laugh. And I just got in a lot of trouble. If the teacher said, don't climb on the climbing frame, I'll be the one straight to the top. And that kind of progressed from there, really. And then I went to uh, high school. The bullying kind of carried on there. I ended up having like an eating disorder when I was 15. I went from being quite a big lad to I just starved myself. So I just thought in my head, I'll sort this out. I've had enough. I'll stop eating. So I stopped eating. And then I learned after that that I could be sick, purged. So I would not eat all day. And then I'd go home and my mom and dad would be like, you've got to eat. And then I'd be sick afterwards. And I remember going to like family meals and things and going into the toilet straight away. Coming out with like bloodshot eyes, thinking, oh God, I hope I don't know this, I've been sick. And I reckon they didn't know, but it was never spoke about. Right from the beginning, it was always, 
a lot of low self-esteem, a lot of low confidence, hated what I saw in the mirror really and things like that. So growing up, I had a great family, very supportive. I've got two sisters and they're both older. And because they, they went to the same school, so they kind of knew a lot of the older lads, they were friends with my sisters. So I, I always kind of knew them. But with that came older lads activities. So I'd go to a lot of parties and I was the youngest one there. But they'd all be doing like, I mean, when you start out, smoking a lot of weed, drinking a lot. So, I mean, I'm like the age of 15, I've already started to drink quite a bit and I'm already doing drugs. I kind of grew up a bit quicker than others maybe, just because of the crowd I was with. As soon as I discovered alcohol, it was like a switch went on in my head and I was like, wow, like this is how I want to feel all the time. I always wanted to feel how I felt after four drinks, three or four drinks. So when you have that kind of mindset, that's what's dangerous. For me, it was never about just having a few drinks and a bit of fun. It was to get drunk. If I had a drink, it was the best way for me to kind of feel like a fan and feel like I could talk to people. Because other than that, I was just awkward and quiet. The age of 17, 18, I went to a party and one of my friends was like, I'll check these out and they were ecstasy. I was like, oh, okay, I'll have one, you know, the usual nerves. And as soon as it, the effects hit me, I was like, right, this is for me. And what was like a weekend event for friends became a massive, like, toxic relationship for me. So I would actually ring a dealer, buy in bulk. So I would have like 50 to 100 pills. I'm only 18, remember? And, uh, and they were all for me. So I'd go home and I'd, I, I'd drive home, I remember it, and I'd go up to my bedroom and my parents would be downstairs probably watching like Emma Dad or something. And I'd be upstairs in my bedroom taking ecstasy, isolating already on my own, taking tablet after tablet. I used to lie in bed and like the fact that I was on my own, no one to have to talk to, no one to have to interact with. I felt like relaxed. I used to go out with friends who didn't take it. And it used to be like an in-joke. Oh, you got, got your, uh, got your, I don't know, like your sweet store. And I used to be like, oh, yeah, boys. And then I'd take two in the car. And they weren't even drinking. Like, it's just complete self-medication. Completely. Just to feel good. Not feeling anxious. Not feeling like I hate myself. As the years went by, we were all doing it. So it was almost like he kind of, I kind of gave myself an excuse. Oh, it's all right. I'm not doing it on my own anymore. I'm doing it with other people. And then the boy in new car. I think what parents were like, if he gets the car, maybe he'll calm down a bit. So I got a car on finance um, and I drove it within like a few weeks of having it into the local town. Decided I'd, I'd have like one drink and then I'd drive home. I ended up getting drunk and like an absolute fool, right? I drove home. It was about 15 minutes from town to my parents' house. And there's this corner that goes round. It's like a 90 degree corner. And I went round it so fast that I went around the corner and lost it on the straight. I went straight into a house. I came to and the airbags were out and there was like smoke and blocks and bricks and it was like a war zone. The police arrived, breathalyzed me, arrested me. I spent the night in a cell. The next day I went round to the house. My dad was like, you need to go round to the house to apologise, obviously. And then I found out that the whole front of the house was propped up and I went to court and the engineer said that if I had driven like certain amount of inches to the left or right, 
I'd have gone into the house, I'd have killed the family, and I'd have killed myself. Anybody else, looking back, would have sat up and gone, right, I've got a problem here, I've got a problem here. But I was, I buried my head in the sand, and I was like, I tell you what, then, I, um, I love music, my mate wants to move to London, you don't have to drive in London. So I just ran off to London. I mean, before that, I was going out in Birmingham on a Friday, coming back on a Sunday night. Some random person's kicked in on a Sunday, not wanting to leave the pie. I was always the one that's a bit too far. I'd end up getting far too drunk. I'd always be a mess. So I went to London and then it just carried on there, playing bass for artists in bands. And I was, I was playing for some quite decent people but with music comes dream kid people used to say oh you're so good on stage and i'll be like well yeah because i've had about six pints and that's it was all just around drinking rehearsals were drinking gigs were drinking everything else was drinking and that's just all it was i didn't make it in the music industry so i was like right well now so i got a job in retail and whatever the way up i ended up getting a job at a top uh, luxury fashion brand and they've Got a global flagship on Regent Street in London. I managed to get a job as a manager. And there's about 180 employees at this store. It's massive. But I was constantly anxious. The whole stress levels were through the roof. I used to leave work, drink on the tube, drink when I got home. And then I started taking drugs. So I'd leave work, drink loads, do loads of cocaine, stay up all night, wake up in the morning. And it kind of progressed slowly. So we started off, I just do the weekends. And then it starts like more at night, this and that. And it got to a point where I was doing it before work. So I was like, right, I, the only way to do this now is to have a drink and do some coke. So I went in one morning and uh, I drank quite a bit. And I thought, oh, I drank too much this time. I had a, a surprise visit from one of the senior leaders. And uh, I was late for a start, obviously in a bad way. And I just had a breakdown and I just walked straight out. I went to a pub across the road and I just started crying. And then instead of asking for help, I just went to my house and spent probably four weeks straight, morning till night, drinking, 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 cocaine, 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 wake up, panic attack, continue, panic attack, continue. I moved to my parents in Wales because they, they obviously knew what was going on. And I signed off from work for depression and anxiety and it was obviously a very, very difficult time. And then I started working for my dad and then I started drinking again then. So I'd work for my dad and I'd go home and I used to stay at my sister's and she's got like a shed slash office in the garden. And she's got a lovely family and instead of going and spending time with them, I finish work, go down the bottom of the garden, drink on my own all night, take drugs. The next day I'd wake up feeling so awful, I'd get in my car and just drive around all day, just drinking and just trying to feel bad and just catastrophize about what the hell's going on in my life. It was always like cycles of that, but I've kind of come out of it. Like it, it's like I'd do like a three-week nightmare because it was my daddy, forgive me, and I'd be all right for a month, and then it'd happen again. And throughout my whole life, it was like longer and longer chunks of these cycles I'd then snap out of. Luke eventually met someone, started a relationship, and moved to Oxford. But like so many other areas in his life at the time, 
drinking infiltrated the relationship. I remember our first day, I had three beers before I met her. We drank on the day, and then all I was thinking was, oh, I wish I could have a drink, more drink, because I'd be more myself. Like, that would be me, the true me. She did dressage. So uh, we went to a dressage event, and I was helping her in all this. And I just ended up drinking all day, drinking all night, to the point where she found me mind-sweeping drinks off people, drinking other people's drinks. Uh, went back to this Airbnb we were all staying at, and I wouldn't go to bed. And I actually ended up in my boxer shorts, sat in the living room with all her friends. And they were like, who is this guy? And they're all quite well to do. And I was just sat there. And I, so they locked me in the bedroom and I woke up and like a piano had fallen on me. And I was like, what the hell happened last night? Anyone else would have woken up and gone, I'm so sorry about last night. I just saw any scouts here. So I said, I'm leaving. So I got in the car because we went up separately. Carried on drinking, drove home. Went to the pub. She came back from the show on her own, just out of than that. And I was in the pub. And then I kind of sorted myself out and I, and I started buying business and I started making like, it was in uh, lockdown, I started making like garden furniture. Started out as planters and it kind of grew and I got really good at it. Like, I had like a hyper focus for it. But it was doing really well. So I got, my, I got a workshop on my own, which was 24 hours, which was never a good thing. So I'd go and I'd build these really cool like wooden things like sheds and bike sheds. But then every time I'd do something to a successful completion, I'd be like, oh, I deserve a beer. But it's all right, I'll just have one. And I'd have one and then I'd have three. And I'd have three and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go pick up some cocaine or whatever. And I'd get to a point where I'm like, I can't go home like this. I'm in too much of a state. So I'd either stay at the, in this horrendous like workshop, just carrying on doing it, or I'd sneak in at home at like three in the morning, stay in the spare room. And then she'd come in, obviously, and be like, what the hell's going on? And I'd be like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm just so busy. I've worked till so late to where where you were. Secretly, I've been getting on it all night. I kept doing that, but I would then wake up and drink. So I'd wake up and feel so awful. The only way to feel better was to drink. And I was so crazy that I would go to the kitchen, get a bottle, a bottle of red wine that she bought, and just drink that to try and feel better. I was told there was a noise as well. I went to a first ever therapy session, which was about drinking. I got drunk before because I didn't have the confidence to go in. And then I actually went home with a bottle of red wine and said to my other half, good news, my therapist has told me to go and grab a bottle of wine, bring it back to you, and say cheers and celebrate your sobriety. And another one was we had a gin bar in the, um, she had a gin bar in her house that I moved into quite quickly. And I just slowly chipped away over time thinking, oh, you won't notice. And then one day she noticed. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it's a hot summer. Don't you know, gin evaporates. And then things like gargling TCP and saying I had a mouth ulcer, like really sad things hiding bowls all over the place, real like alcoholic stereotypical behaviour. And you always try and convince yourself that it's not that bad. I always have this mindset of, ah, oh, I'm all right, I'll stop soon, or oh, I'm just young and I live long, all this kind of rubbish. Anyway, and she said, you either go to get help or it's over. So I said, um, okay, she had quite the healthcare luckily, and randomly they wouldn't cover somewhere in Banbury but they'd cover um, the Priory in Roehampton. For those who aren't familiar the Priory is a private mental health hospital in southwest London. 
which is also well known for treating addictions, particularly those of UK celebrities. So I was like, well, I'll go there. So I went and had a first time on the addiction programme. I was so anxious about going to the primary that I booked myself into a hotel three days before. And I just drank and took drugs for three days on my own. My other half thought I was already at the priory, but I ran them before and said, I can't come in, can I blow a pit for three days? And then on the third day, I was like, there's no way I'm going to the priory today, I'm too ill. Because I was so, I mean, I don't know how I was alive at this point. We're talking like drinking from the moment my eyes opened to the minute I went to sleep at three and four in the morning and a lot of drugs in between. I actually drove from a hotel, drunk, to the priory, drank in the car park, and uh, when I went in there, they have to do like obviously an evaluation for you. And it was just like, I think the breathalyzer could have exploded. I was in denial. I was in denial. I was like, I'm out of here because my, my girlfriend wants me here. I had lost everything yet. She won't leave me. We've got a dog together. She won't leave me. And now uh, we've got, we're just buying a house and got a really nice car and I bought the business, even though I just spent all the money of the business on drugs and alcohol so it wasn't a business I was in denial I died because I left there and the first thing I thought I, I knew I wasn't in the right headspace because I remember thinking oh I can moderate now I've been to the hospital well, I've been to a professional I've had professional therapy I'll be fine and then slowly a bit shortly I had on drinking we stood up I lost her I lost my business I lost the car I lost the dog I lost the house rock bottom and then I moved to Wales again, and I met someone in Wales, which I shouldn't have got with because he was too soon, and we just drank. She asked me to go to her brother's wedding, and he was at this big manor house down the road, and everyone was staying there for three days. The ceremony was outside in the grounds, and then in this big mansion, everyone just shared it and stayed in there. And then the first night, I managed to keep it together quite well, and it was all right. But the day of the wedding, first time I've ever met these people, her family, her brother... And I got so drunk that I was an absolute shocker. Like, I was going up to people, and I think I was trying to kiss everyone, and then really got into fights. Anyway, I went back up to the manor house. Now, I don't remember any of this, because I was, like, blackout at this point. But I was told the next day uh, that I took all my clothes off, and I roamed the halls of this manor house. Everybody was there, so we're talking everybody, saw me naked, shouting random obscenities and and uh the bride's sister said get back to your room and i just swore out so i finally got me to bed again i woke up in the morning not knowing anything and the brother was there and he was like right you need to leave and i thought i scored off premises once again came home back to my house and i was like right i'm a monster why has something wrong with me i don't deserve to be happy i don't deserve to go on anymore i can't stand myself I, I ended up drinking to a point of like I don't care if I if I if I don't make it. And I remember my worst. And I don't like talking about quantities. So I don't like people thinking, well, I'm not that bad and all that because it's all relevant. But just say how bad it was. I was waking up and drinking a bottle of wine, and then I drink probably about eight beers, and then I drink another couple of bottles of wine, and then on the evening I probably drink about another four bottles of wine. So we're talking like serious alcohol here. So I got to a point where I shut myself in my house. I was wouldn't speak to anyone. My parents were like, what is going on? I found out my mom was petrified to come around here because she was convinced that she'd find me dead. 
that's how bad it was. And at the, at the time, you don't realise that what you're doing to people around you. It's just like you're in this world of, right, when I went south, I feel better. I need to get out of this. At this point, I hadn't been to work at all. I lost three jobs in two months through drinking. And I got to a point where my dad came around and he looked at my recycling and my recycling things were that full. You'd think a party of 20 lads had been drinking and it was me for a week. And little did he know I'd actually hit him with a couple of black bags as well. That's how bad it was. And he said, if you don't let me in, I'm going to break the door down and call the police. So I had to let him in. I mean, I had a massive heart to heart and I had a breakdown and all this. And that was when I was like, I need to sort myself out. So I ran the primary again, take two. And uh, the director of the party was like, Luke, you just need to, you need to get in now again. I had to detox on my own. And now, like, you can die. Like, this is the word. Like, you should never, ever, 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 ever stop drinking on your own. But when you get alcohol dependent, it's like, you need a medical detox. But I couldn't have one because I already got in for addiction. You know, I had to go into a mental health. So doctor... The doctor of the priory said, uh, Luke, are you drinking? Because if you're drinking, we can't help you. And I said, no. And he's like, oh, why are you so red? And I said something like, oh, sunburn. So I had to do it on my own. I was like, how am I going to do this? I was being that sick that I was sickening up loads of blurs and I was really delirious. I remember I was lying in bed and I was sweating and shaking that bad. I thought, this is it. This is the end. And I was seeing spiders on my wall. And I'd hit the light switch and he'd disappear. As well as that, I would see like a dark figure still in my bed, like a shadow figure. But slowly but surely, I kind of slowly got better. And I remember it was so bad that I was trying to drink from a glass with both hands and I still couldn't. So I got an injury and I went to the fire for a second time. And this is where it all kind of clicked. I had, like, I had serious therapy, but I had like an ADHD specialist therapist. I had like a seven to eight hour assessment with a private psychiatrist and um, definitely ADHD. And, and the moment that I realised, I said, right, I'll try the medication. And I know there's a lot of pros and cons for meds. I know people have different views, but for me, I was that desperate. I was like, I'll just try it. So I tried this um, ADHD medication, which is a slow release. Um, it's called Listex Amphetamine. And I tried it and honestly... I'm not either, I'm not exaggerating, like, click. Seriously, I was like, I've no interest in drinking. I've got no interest in self-medicating. I'm not, I'm, I feel, I just feel like, it was almost like my scales have gone from, like, tipped over to leveled out. And obviously it's all to do with dopamine, which now I know. As soon as we discovered ADHD, it just clicked. So I always knew something wasn't right. And I knew that I was always self-medicating. And I always knew that I had an unhealthy mindset because I just constantly wanted to drink. That is a big thing about um, substance use disorder, SUD, with people with ADHD. Because obviously your dopamine levels are lower than others. So you're constantly, basically you want dopamine hits. So anything that's going to give you a bit of joy or a bit of time level and out is why you turn to alcohol or drugs because you're using it to medicate ADHD. So what the medication does for me, I was trying to do through alcohol, which just doesn't work, obviously, and it gets worse.
because I'm one of those people where I'm all or nothing, as you can imagine, uh, I've just gone so headfirst into researching and educating myself on ADHD that now I know so much and I know that there's a lot of stigma around it, there's not much education around it, a lot of people don't really understand it. Now people just think it's hyperactive shifts or inattentiveness, but it's, it's not that. Or uh, it's like the management system of your brain, it's like your executive functions. And if you've got ADHD, you've got a dysfunction in that. So if you imagine your brain as a, as a you know an office block with different departments in it to run a business, different departments aren't working together properly. Basically, like your uh, you know your self awareness, inhibition, prioritizing and planning, working memory, all this kind of stuff that you're not quite doesn't function properly so you're acting in certain ways which are very closely linked to how i acted really if you think about it it's not an excuse at all but i do like the fact that it is a bit of an answer as to why and how my brain works yeah by no means does it excuse my behavior whatsoever but it, it helped me to work towards kind of trying to forgive myself I now realise that I was so sick, I was so ill. Uh, I do give myself a bit of forgiveness for that. I don't really forgive myself for things like drink driving late at night, picking up drugs, drunk, in a car, because I could have killed anyone or killed myself. It's incredibly selfish. And even though I had ADHD and even though I was under the influence, you know what's right or wrong. So I find it hard to forgive myself for stuff like that. What I've done... And it's literally really like War and Peace, but I've done a life journal. So I've started from the beginning and I've literally written every incident, everything I can remember, what happened, how I feel about it now. And because I've had to sit in that, it's so easy because I would just, just dig it, put it in a box, dig it deep, forget about it. And it's been so hard like to sit and actually have to read through what you've done, especially now so that and everything's like, clear as a bell and I'm not covering it with whatever well, I find it really hard I, I, I still find it really hard to forgive myself for a lot of things the way I've treated girlfriend at the time the way things she had to put up with things she had to witness the things that I did my parents just the things I put them through friends didn't you know I just was never there I, I missed my best friend's wedding because I was in a hole of drinking just things like that but, I mean, the great thing is you can rebuild, rebuild all these relationships. It's never too late. My dad used to say that he only ever mentioned uh, my sisters because it was like he lost his son. And now he's like, you're the best son I could ever imagine. My sister Lucy, as I told you, I used to just hibernate in the shed in the garden doing stuff. Like now, like my niece, she's got, she's got a little niece. And I'm up at five, six in the morning playing with her at breakfast and... I'm present and I'm there and I go and see them and they're just like, they're just like, my God, it's like, I'm like a new person. I always wanted to feel how I feel now, sober. Like, I was chasing that through drink and drugs. And now I'm like, I was such a cheese ball. Like, I, I wake up at five. I get out, natural sun and I have to go for a run, I come back, I do some journaling, gratitude, yoga, all that kind of stuff. I listen to loads of podcasts, loads of self-renovated learning, and I still do like therapy tools, like you know, self-care and all that kind of thing, and triggers and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't, I don't think about drinking anymore. I can genuinely sit here and say that now, whereas before it, 
I probably would have been kidding myself. But everything's just amazing. And I'm making so much deeper connections. I've got so many friends now. I never really had friends before. It was all just around drinking and going out. And they're not really friends. Like, but loads of mates, loads of, I'm doing loads of cool stuff, making sure I'm busy and having things to look forward to rather than just sitting in a pub, like talking crap, <laughs> spending money. Do you like yourself now? I do like myself. There are still quite a few areas that I don't like. I've got a rejection sensitivity. I know I have, and that's just where I am. But when you know you've got it and you learn about it, you start to be able to react to it. And it's like even the things I've carried on through with the ADHD and sobriety hasn't solved, but it's still helping me work towards it massively. So now I know when I'm being a certain way and I can react to it. Like, like I love myself as a person. I know I'm a good person. I know I'm bearing myself every day. I know I'm trying to be the best person I can. And my values are amazing and they're great and it's all changed. But like certain things, like certain securities have always been there, but I just need to know to work on them and know that it's just the way my brain is. What does recovery mean to you? Recovery for me is no matter what, life throws at you no matter what problems i've been through no matter what rock bottoms that i hit and no matter what message i was telling myself that it was the end and there was no point in going on i fought that and i did all i could and i worked my hardest to ensure that that didn't beat me and i might have been to the priory twice and it might have been a long road of awful events but to come out of that and to realise that life is amazing, there is a point and the future's bright. You've been listening to Recovery From Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show and join the community on Instagram at Recovery From Anything. You can find out more about this week's storyteller or submit a story of your own on our website, recoveryfromanything.com. Thank you for listening.